0: Oh, my my name's name is Neil and I'm your host. This is season six. Don't forget, you can go back through the whole catalogue and find all five seasons of 7 Million Bikes. Make sure you subscribe and turn on the notifications. Follow 7 Million Bikes on Facebook. Go on there and give it a like. We're also on Instagram. If you do enjoy this content, then please go on the link in the notes for patreon.com and you can become a member of a Vietnam podcast and you get some cool benefits like free tickets. You'll get LA bonus content as well. If you just want to buy me a coffee, there's also a link in the show notes. You can send me a coffee as well. So thank you very much to the previous people that sent me coffees. They were very much enjoyed, so very, very much appreciated. Season six is sponsored by our good friends over at Eddie's New York Deli and Diner. If you are in Saigon, then make sure you go check them out. Tell them that 7 Million Bikes sent you. They've got two locations now, one in D2 and one in District 1. If you've seen the show Riverdale on Netflix, You'll know exactly what Eddie's is like. It's a slice of home comfort, no matter where you're from in the world. Make sure you check out Eddie's New York Deli and Diner. So, enjoy 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. Welcome back to 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. We're into season six now. My guest today is half Laotian, half Vietnamese, 100% German, which makes him 200% of a person, which is amazing, right? He's an actor and singer-songwriter and a filmmaker who's just written and directed his fourth short film. My guest today is Lam Visai. How are you?
1: Perfectly uh, spoken. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, Happy to be here, Neil.
0: Thanks for joining us. Now, we met um, a couple of months ago at an event that you hosted. And I was lucky to be invited on at the German Business Association. And this event was the most German event
1: you could ever imagine? Uh, I have to disagree. Uh, first, um, the first time we saw was on your own show. So I was a guest uh, and I saw a post somewhere on Facebook through friends and I visited and I liked your show. It was a comedy show with some some uh, some great, great uh, entertainers. And then I thought, hey, it could be nice to invite you to my show, which would be... Uh, some uh, weeks later and uh and actually uh you would say it's it's the Germans are very strict, but coming here to the podcast, you gave me some instructions how to behave, not to talk when uh, when you talk, and that was more german than 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 uh, <laughs> I would have expected <laughs>
0: <laughs> I forgot, yeah, so we did meet before that event, but that was the first time we'd we'd performed together um, the reason I said it was the most german event I've ever done because I remember before we got given the run sheet and I used this joke on stage and it was like you will start at 8.02 and you will finish at 8.09 and then the next act will finish at 8.16 and but the night just went like clockwork and it was amazing and I was like this is so German.
1: Yeah, uh, that's true. That's true. Well, uh, it's it's just pract- for practical reasons. Uh, if we um, overdo uh, over if we got into overtime, it would cost us just more. That's that's it. That's a fact.
0: <laughs> and it's funny because I know, being from the UK, we're very well aware of you know kind of German efficiency. Mm. And I was telling this to to an American friend, and they they didn't know that stereotype. They were like, "What do you mean?" And I was like, "You know, Germans they're they're very efficient. They do things." you know on time and they like oh i didn't know that so i guess it's not known worldwide but uh the germans are very efficient right
1: uh actually yes the germans are known for punctuality um and 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 and, and, and re- being reliable and yeah strict but again it's depends on the person yeah <laughs>
0: I mean, I've met some of the funniest people I've met are German. I think that's another a stereotype that's not true that that Germans don't have a sense of humor. Germans have a great sense of humor.
1: Yeah, I would say so. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's different to uh, I guess maybe it's it's a lot drier. I guess than maybe the
1: rest. of <gasps> let, let let's say uh, when we say "I love you," it's it sounds like war. It's like a, "Ich liebe dich," right? So that's that's "I love you." So everything is like uh, it's war. <laughs> Would that would be
0: would that then be a similarity between Vietnamese and German? Because with Vietnamese, I always find that people are. I, I've had friends who are having a conversation in Vietnamese, and I think they're yelling at each other. I'm like, oh no, we're just deciding what we're having for lunch.
1: Well, it depends. Uh, if you are from the south, uh, every swear word is could be also. Uh, it's, it's like French and, and, and German, I would say, uh, if you are from the south with a southern, southern uh, accent, it, everything sounds nice, even you swear. Yeah.
0: Now you're uh, half Laotian, half Vietnamese, 100% German. Do you want to tell me more about that?
1: I was born in Laos. My parents moved uh, when I was four to Germany. Actually, we were boat people. And then I grew up there, living there for 33 years before I decided uh, to move here. Yeah, that was nine years ago. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, do you mind talking more about that being "quote unquote" a boat people? Because I've been uh, listening to the podcast. I don't know if you've heard it called Vietnamese Boat People, where a woman in America, Tracy Nguyen, basically uh, started off as a kind of started off as a family project interviewing her mum and dad and sharing their story because from what I know from what I understand and talking to some people most people who experience that don't really talk about it too much to their to their children or to their family which understandably so because it's terrible a terrible experience so I've started listening to that now I'm a few episodes in and um, it's fascinating I've read a couple of books about it um and i I wonder if there's a lot of people in the world maybe don't even really know so much about that. Vietnam now is so internationally known as this beautiful country, economically booming. And I wonder if a lot of people don't
1: un, don't know about... I think everybody knows because of the many war f- films, more movies that are out there. Um, I, th- I think the whole world uh, uh, knows, knows about both people, uh, especially... Boat people, uh, I think it's the first time that this term uh, uh, popped up was when um, I think a German guy, uh, I forgot his name, um, had uh, had a boat called Cap Am Namur and he sailed down south and rescued the first Vietnamese and then the term was born. So he was I a German so. person, was the first was person... A, uh, Uh, Sadek, Manek, uh, I forgot his name, but something rhymes with Sadek or something. Yeah. It was a German guy from Trostorf, which is a small city uh, south of Cologne, where I was living uh, 33 years. So it was my hometown, still my hometown. It's it's a town... uh, it's it's the town of the Kölner Dome, Cologne Dome. You know the dome? They're famous for having the bones. Did you say the bones? The skeletons of the three kings that gave Maria the message that she will give birth to Jesus. It's still there. So it's more than 2000 years old.
0: Wow. No, didn't know that. There you go. Learning something. Yeah. So did your parents talk to you much about that?
1: About Jesus,
0: not, not about the bones. <laughs> <laughs> so, did your parents talk to you much about their experiences getting to Germany?
1: Not at all, not at all. But today we talk uh, coincidentally because I'm um, I'm uh, I'm applying to get a double citizenship. So I had to ask them about the past, and it's a bit difficult in my situation because I'm part. I'm a part a part. I'm Laotian as well, so it's hard to get a, a double citizenship. But now that I have three, so uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure the Germans let me keep the German citizenship and get another second one. Yeah.
0: And so which side is Laotian, which side is Vietnamese from your parents?
1: Um, my father, my father's side is, is Laotian and my mother, she is Vietnamese, but she grew up in Lao herself, so she barely speaks Vietnamese so we, we never spoke Vietnamese we uh, spoke Laotian and German at home and when, uh, nine years ago when I came here decided to live here I had to learn it from sc- scratch so it was a pretty rough time uh, two years time uh, fighting with the language uh, fighting uh to survive, because uh, when you don't speak a language, you you don't have a job. Yeah. And I came here for the job, for the job opportunity.
0: Now, you lived in Hanoi for five years. So do you have a northern accent or a southern accent? I do have a northern accent. <laughs> <laughs> and does that cause more confusion in, the, in Saigon?
1: Um, people say because um, I always wanted to do films, movies... Uh, it it would have been better if I have a southern accent, that, but uh, well, already done its past. Why well, think about what was, what could have been? Uh, I'm I'm happy with what I, what my accent is now. So,
0: do you remember much about? You said you were four years old. Do you remember much about the the journey to to Germany?
1: My consciousness starts when I was six, so I don't remember what happened before. Yeah, I have no memories when I when I. Uh, when I touched German ground then this memory started like not even so uh, I remember we were in uh, in Dortmund in um in a place where they uh, collect all the fugitives and uh, that's it so yeah barely no barely remember yeah
0: and what was it like growing up in Germany then
1: i don't i don't I don't know how it would have been different, so strangely, I had a similar conversation with a friend, and guess what I never faced racism from this from 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 when I came to Germany until I went to the German armed forces for two years until now, so I was just lucky of course, there's. Racism. Uh, racism is everywhere in the world, even in Vietnam, uh, um, Germany. The more east you go, the more you will face it. But I was probably lucky. Maybe it helped that I was always a confident person um, who 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 doesn't um, who fights back. So I was never. Uh, I didn't victimize myself. So yeah, I would say that.
0: And then the, you went to the German Armed Forces. How was that?
1: That was awesome. That was the best time of my life. I, I was uh, I was doing um, three months of the training that everybody had to go through. Uh, then I was in a special um, division where you... So before that, I was about to uh, study um, computer science, IT technologies. So uh, they put me in a uh, computer science d- division department, and uh, what happened was that we 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 would work one or two hours per day, and the rest of the day we would do different things. Like uh, be- because we were very fast, and people didn't know. The material, uh, uh, yeah. So we, we had a lot of advantages if you, if you know a lot about technology. So I was, um, half of my time, half of my day would, would be, uh, me being the captain of a basketball team. So I was doing sports half of the day. Yeah. It was a great, great time.
0: And do you feel like playing basketball made you taller? <laughs>
1: Uh, no, basketball made me, uh, made me, uh, stronger maybe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the reason I ask, um, I I don't know if you're aware of this. The only reason I know is because I I teach children here, a common question that you ask uh, a Vietnamese, uh, student and even older Vietnamese, I've, I've asked older Vietnamese friends who are like, yeah, no, this is absolutely true that you say, what's your favorite sport? And they say basketball and you go, oh, okay, cool. Why? Because it makes me taller.
1: Is it so? Does it make you tall?
0: Well, so it's controversial.
1: I thought it's food. It depends on the food and the uh, the country you are in and, you know, but I don't know.
0: Well, that's what you would think. So I posted it recently on a Facebook page, this kind of, uh, this study or something about playing basketball, making you taller. And then a couple and then one of the the listeners Zion jumped in with a comment and he's like no it's actually true and they, and he posted some studies that showed that if you played basketball growing up it would help you be taller apparently
1: you know the good thing about statistics i don't believe them so statistics statistics are as good as you do it so yeah. you can fake statistics you can uh you can change them to your needs so
0: one of my favorite quotes that i remember from University is there's lies, damn lies, and then there's statistics. <laughs>
1: <laughs> true. Totally true. I, I agree. <laughs>
0: but it's a common belief in uh, in Vietnam that if you play basketball when you're growing up, it will make you taller, which I think it's like they see tall people playing basketball and so then think... But apparently there may be some truth to the fact that if you play basketball, it will make you taller.
1: I don't know. So, uh, well, in, in general, Vietnamese people are in general... Uh, superstitious. Superstitious. So I, I wouldn't wonder.
0: <laughs> the 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 reason for the post I remember now was there was a, a recent study showing that Vietnamese people are getting, in fact, taller. And the picture that was with the article was of people of children playing basketball. So I screenshotted it and posted it. I think that probably the real answer, which was in the article, was people are taller because of exactly what you said: food. And habits diet.
1: and diet and uh well there's some truth in it and uh, when i first came here nine years ago i was one of the tallest vietnamese uh asians and now they're like once eighty, one ninety, uh the models and uh, the, the, the the normal guys yeah so uh I'm, I'm not one of the tallest anymore so i feel s- small
0: yeah so what made you come then? You said nine years ago you came for the opportunities. What was that decision then you were going to, I'm leaving Germany, I'm coming to Vienna?
1: Well, the first the, and the real reason was uh, my girlfriend and me, we broke up. So I just wanted a new uh, start. So yeah, I, I I was stuck in a situation. I, I needed a new fresh air. So I just tried it. I, I sold all, no, I didn't sell. I I gave away. I gave away all my stuff, all my belongings, all my music instruments. I made a party. Uh, I remember there were sixty-five uh, people coming, uh, friends to uh, give me a nice farewell party. A uh, lot of tears, not for me. <laughs> and uh, we made a lucky draw, uh, and uh, where I gave away all my all my stuff. So. Uh, yeah that was that was fun and um, uh everything fit in a, in a small truck uh, like a transit a transporter um all my belongings from how old, I was I uh, was 9 years ago I was like 35 35 so yeah that was all I had it, that fit in a, in a in a in a car and then I came here with uh a suitcase and my guitar my martin guitar that i have since i'm 18 and do music yeah i still have it
0: now you said you came for fresh air. i assume that's a metaphorical fresh air.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well i thought at that time uh vietnam has a lot of jungle and trees it must be fresh but uh, okay i didn't know i was <laughs> that wrong <laughs> and then you moved to
0: hanoi and you're like, oh
1: god yes so, hanoi is one of the most polluted cities in the world yeah there's a lot of smog, but there's a running gag that all the smog is coming from China. So I believe that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember, yeah, like um, about a year and a half ago, the pollution in, in Vietnam and in Ho Chi Minh and Hanoi was really bad. And I'm looking at it on almost a daily basis. Hanoi was, yeah, in the top, I think for a while, like the, the most polluted country in the world, like the dark purple mm, color. Which sorry, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> the, most, <laughs> the most polluted city in the world. Um, So you moved to Hanoi nine years ago, didn't speak Vietnamese. Was that um, confusing to some locals to look at you and think or assume that you're Vietnamese and then you couldn't speak the language?
1: Actually, there's an anecdote. Um, I forgot. I came for a job. So nine years ago, actually going back 10 years ago, one year before I went to Vietnam, I met three people three Asians on the Berlinale at the Berlinale film festival the Berlin F- film festival and i met them not at the festival but uh in a show uh, it was the blue men group oh yeah so i said hey they look like experts uh so i asked them are you for the festival are you here for the festival yeah we are we are all filmmakers i said oh cool i'm 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 an actor so and one of them said, okay, here's my number. If you are in Vietnam, give me a call. Maybe we can work together. And this sentence I hear uh, a lot in my, well, I'm, I'm doing film since, uh, for more than 23 years. So uh, yeah, you never know how to take it, right? So one year later, I came to Vietnam and then I give him the call and he has still the number. And he said, hey, what a coincidence uh i have a role for you and you fit perfectly i said uh yeah but i don't speak vietnamese at all no problem you speak english and all the others they speak vietnamese that works yeah that works because we're dumping anyway everyone so i said okay let's do it and then i got my first job shooting abroad not in germany uh not in vietnam but in prague so uh czech republic so we flew back right away from vietnam to prague and then i had a very nice time in prague uh, a nice role and it was fun it was fun yeah
0: that's so cool you go to vietnam for an acting job and then they fly you back to prague
1: right right (laughs) uh that worked well and then i said hey that's so easy let's go to vietnam and and then stay here and then the struggles started like two years I had to really, really learn Vietnamese and um yeah I, I was uh, it was, I was so desperate because Vietnamese is not an easy language yeah it, it's a tone language but maybe uh, because it's in my blood I, I learned faster uh then the second job offer came which was uh, the villain, the main villain. So 99% of my film roles, I got the villain role offered. Although I'm, I would say, a funny guy in 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 normal life.
0: Uh, you don't have evil eyes, I wouldn't I know. do have
1: when I... Is that what you get told? I, I can't smile in, in, in the photos. So, I uh, yeah, I don't know. So they, they hired me as a villain and uh, I struggled the first two weeks. And because just imagine you have to learn, how many, how many, 25 shots? No, 25 scenes in one day. It was a TV show. So we shot 25 scenes in one day and it was like, hell no. How can you do that? And so I was constantly learning lines while, so when, when we finished shooting the day, it was long day, 14, 16, 18 hours. Sometimes they all, when drinking, so everyday nyo, they call it yo, right? So they, they drank zeo, rice wine, after the shoot. And I was always invited, but I said, no, I can't. I have to go back and, and learn my lines. And, and so while they were having fun after the shoot, I was learning, learning, learning. And I wanted to give up the first two weeks. And the assistant director told me, no, come on give it a try, give, give more effort, uh, give it one more day, three more days, one week. And then one week became two months and then four months. And then we finished the series and the director was very happy with me. And I think that that TV show won a lot of prizes, prizes. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. I'm wondering, do you think you might've learned Vietnamese quicker By going drinking with those guys?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, yeah, I should uh, consider.
0: (laughs) I think you'd have learned more swear words, though, if you'd probably done that rather than than the dialogue.
1: Well, swear, I can (laughs) in any language.
0: (laughs) It's the same no matter what, right? Everyone learns the bad words first.
1: Because it's fun. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's true, right? Yeah. So then how did you go from... You went from being computer science in the military... Hmm. You obviously knew you wanted to be an actor, I assume, at this point? Or then how did you transition? Not at all. Not no? At all. Okay.
1: It was by coincidence. Um, so after the army, I went to, to university st- studying for a year or two. And there was, uh, what was there? Uh, in the newspaper, I saw a casting for a role with one of the biggest stars Moritz bleibt treu. He's still one of the biggest stars. So back then, twenty-three-ish years, um, I applied and I got the role. As how how did I get the role? Ah, uh, yeah, of course, they they asked me if I I'm an Asian. So you you probably knew kung fu. I said uh yeah so what should i say they I didn't t- say that no i didn't say that i said but i said i i know thought uh, i can i can fight with swords but and they
0: actually said that
1: i said it so they actually they asked, actually me.
0: asked that. They ask me they
1: still asked me so they still asked me can you do uh can you speak german with an accent i speak german fluently i speak maybe better german than germans but but they still have that in mind uh they have the need they say that the audience needs to be explained why this German with migration background speaks as good German as Germans. And I say, What? We're in the second, third generation uh here, and uh, we're not not accepted. That's not the reality, but the old the decision makers are white old men, so it's always stays. So uh I said yeah, I, c- I can fight with swords, and and yeah. You know, but uh, uh, what a pity you don't have a sword or something here. I said, "Wait a minute." And then he the, the the casting guy went up, and then he brought a stick. And I said, "Can you show us something?" I said, "What the fuck?" I was thinking, "What the fuck did I say that?" But but I said that for a reason because the day in advance I saw um, um, a show with with some guys uh, fighting with swords. So I just just so I just did what they did, so I just copied that, and you know, film is just film, it's fake. You, you don't kill or you don't love someone for real. you just fake it. So I just faked that I'm a sword fighter, and then I did what I saw, and then and then the last hit was like in front of the guy, so that he was shocked that I could hit his head, and then he said, "You got the rule." So he was impressed. And I said, "Wow, acting is so easy. Let's do it. Let's uh, let's uh, let's uh, let's apply for an uh, acting school." Uh, and then I looked. I didn't wanted to move, uh, so I looked for the best school in my city, which is Cologne, the fourth biggest city in Germany. Uh, and then out of fifteen hundred applicants uh, uh they just chose 15 people so i learned three roles one classic shakespeare of course because he's the best uh little do i know what uh, how, how how hard it is uh one comedic role and 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 one modern role and i learned everything in one week and and when i was chosen i felt wow i have because they told me it's you have talent you're good and say i feel privileged and 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 my comrades they they did uh travel in every city and they they had like 10 applications they castings auditions that didn't work so i felt talented i felt good but little do I know what it means? Then the struggle started, three years of uh, the school being criticized uh, uh, f- to fail, to yeah, um, it was very tough. yeah. I, so just imagine you're young, you, you by luck, you uh, get a role where you got a lot of money. So th- you think, wow, I like that because why should I work hard when I work a bit? Uh, I, I got uh, uh, admired, got the money, so let's do it. But little did I know that 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 acting is much more uh, not easy. The at reality all. was different. Yeah, so. This
0: season, we are proud to be partnered with and sponsored by Eddie's New York Deli and Diner. They are one of my favorite places to go in Saigon. You're always greeted with a big smile. You can get delivery from Eddie's. They are the delivery experts. So if you don't want to leave the house, hit them up on Facebook Messenger. They'll get back to you immediately. Or you can also get them on Grab as well. As I said, I've been going to Eddie's since they've opened three years ago. It is one of my go-to places in Saigon. So please check it out. It's interesting that you've brought that point up because I have a couple of friends in New York that I I know from when I lived there and they are actors and trained And he posted something just recently about how there needs to be a culture change in terms of teaching, acting and acting schools where they'll, and he gave some examples and he post linked to an article where you're basically abused and broken down. And he had lots of friends comment on it saying, you know, yeah, this is what I went through. I was told every day I wasn't worthwhile, I wasn't good enough. You know, you're really, they were giving some examples of, as a trained actor, you're psychologically broken down and you're told it's for your own good to build you up to create this actor. And he was posting that that kind of needs to change. Did you have a similar experience to that or you can relate to it or you know what I'm talking about?
1: I totally know what you're talking about. I just can't speak for myself. And the the breaking down someone... Uh, it's almost like uh, Bruce Lee's telling you, "Be water, empty yourself, and be open for everything." Um, for me, it means if it's fair, they they will criticize, they will break you, break you in the meaning of if you're too confident, if you have st- if you're too stubborn, and you, you can't learn anymore, then you might be at the wrong place. And as an actor, you need to be. Uh, open-minded and to be open for critics fair critics if it helps you Uh, so um, if if it's pragmatic if it helps you on the way to become a better actor yes Uh, but if it's no in my time i would say all the teachers were fair so they actually the breaking down helps you to be better prepared for life because in school, they break you down because they're interested in you. They want to help you. Uh, I'm not sure it's always the best way or the right way, but it will help you one another way. Because in real life, the director, the producer, do not they are not honest to you, not always. So sometimes you're bad and they don't tell you. It's just, okay, you were good. But then if you don't have the sense a uh, 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 self awareness that you learn from the school, then you think Oh i 'm good, but then you go in the wrong direction, and you you, you fail and nobody tells you uh, your friends uh, uh, they always will tell you ah you're good, you're good, but that doesn't help you if you weren't so I would say the hard time in school ha- helps you to become a better actor, be better prepared in life because it 's not always shiny and, uh, successful. Yeah. So it helps you for the bad time when you don't have job, when, when, when you don't have a job, when you, uh, are not successful. Yeah.
0: So then you've obviously obviously had music in your blood. I would imagine then your whole life acting came after music, I guess for anyone, not many people come to music late. So had you always been a performer, a musician, writing?
1: I made music to impress a girl so <laughs> that's the that's the that's the truth so uh I was fifteen, and um I knew she she loved music and she went to these music classes and i, I was I went too because just I wanted to see her and then I grabbed a guitar and I wrote a song no actually I, I covered a song yeah that's that's was it and, Wonderwall? no, it was right here waiting by richard marks and uh yeah, it worked. <laughs> We were uh, my first girlfriend I had when I was fifteen, and we were together for two, three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, that's a long time at that uh, age. That's, yeah, and it it worked, and I said, "Wow, if uh, uh, music uh, helps." <laughs> so no, um, I, I I found my love when I when when I played the guitar and I sang the song, and it's hey, um I like that. I I like to be able to, to, to sing and to write music and to, yeah. Did you know that music has a lot of mathematics, math, math, math in it? I would imagine so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I was good with uh, uh, numbers and, um, and so, yeah, the love for music came naturally.
0: I would imagine that's how people who are um, like deaf, right? Beethoven? Beethoven?
1: deaf Beethoven became deaf became so, deaf. He so okay. he was a genius before that already right. so
0: but I've always could, imagined that there's a connection between maths and music as how people would be able to write or create music because they can understand the maths of music does that make sense or am I completely off
1: No no it, uh, it, there's this, uh, there's a big connection between uh, math and uh, music theory there everything is logic. You wouldn't believe it because uh, music sounds creative and art, but it has a rule. The art that that works together, everything is connected.
0: Even if at its most basic, music is one, two, three, four, right? So that's, there's your maths right there. If you can count to four, you're you're doing all right. And I think, though, as you're mentioning I've not thought of this before. But you think of the Fibonacci spiral and mm. things like that. I mean, that's almost musical in itself. Mm-hmm. So I can see the connection there. So you came to um, Vietnam as, as for an acting position and then I assume you were performing at the same time as well. I know that you were on uh, a Vietnam's Got Talent.
1: Mm, yes, that's true.
0: How did that come about? I lost a bet. You lost a bet? Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so, uh, uh, and then I had to join the casting and uh, they picked me and it was fun. It was a good ride. And uh, we were in Hanoi. I did the casting in Hanoi and the finals were in Saigon. So it was a good excuse for friends to join me on that trip. So I had my own fan club uh, and we my friends, like half of them are experts. So white people in a Vietnamese t- uh, TV show, just imagine they're all tall, big, uh, and we, they made, uh, some noise and the cameras loved to film them, of course. Uh, and it was, uh, yeah, it was big fun. Yeah.
0: So what was the bet that you lost?
1: I don't remember. Oh. I, 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 I don't remember, but uh, maybe I, I, I lost uh, on purpose so that I can join. I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then, so what made you move from Hanoi to Ho Chi Minh?
1: Another love story.
0: <laughs> another <laughs> what, breakup. Another breakup. It's always a girl. always involved in uh, these major life what, decisions.
1: It, it's actually the truth. I was uh, unhappy with a relationship. Uh, yeah, and it, it didn't work. And then I moved to Saigon.
0: For the fresh air.
1: For another fresh air and uh, to avoid the uh, smog in Hanoi, yeah.
0: And how do you find the differences then between Ho Chi Minh and Hanoi? Because I've heard some people describe it as being like two different countries. It's that. Different. I
1: would uh, agree. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's uh, two different types of people here, um, and the good thing is it's always warm. It's there's just two. Uh, it's. Just, it's whether it's it rains or it's dry so it's always warm and uh the rainy season the rain season um it will in saigon it would be raining for one hour two hours per day and then it stops in hanoi it would rain three weeks in a row and it doesn't stop yeah that's that's a good thing about saigon
0: yeah i couldn't handle living in hanoi from mainly the weather and the pollution I, I don't know about the people i've never met anyone from Hanoi that I didn't like. I've met a few in Saigon. I've not really spent much time up there yet.
1: You don't like Hanoians? Are you saying that?
0: No, no, no. I do. I'm saying I do huh. like Hanoians. I've never had a problem, but I often hear that uh, they are very different people. But for me, they've always, been, they've always been good, but I've not really spent much time in Hanoi, so to speak. So how's the music and acting going then in Saigon? Is it, I would assume, in, but again, correct me if I'm wrong, there's a, a bigger scene here than in Hanoi.
1: Hanoi, there's a scene for TV shows, TV series, and Saigon is more for feature films. Yeah, It goes better for me here. Uh, I have more chances. There are more projects uh, on, on films. Uh, I did my fourth short film. When I moved down, I started producing and directing myself. So that's the, the next step from being an actress since 20, 23 years, uh, to become a director. Yeah. I, I was tired of just waiting for the call, uh, to be, uh, hired by a producer or a director. So I wanted to write my own, it started with me writing my own roles and I say, Hey, when I can write, why don't I try to direct? And then I participated in the first 48 hours, three years ago, and uh, um, then I saw I could uh, I could do it. I, I like the creative work. I like to um, to uh, lead people. I think I can help actors because I'm an actor myself. Um, so yeah, I, I love the work as a, as a director.
0: So tell us more about your full film. When's it due out? How is the process? Tell us more about this.
1: Uh, my fourth film is my most ambitious film um it's about an AI device that goes rogue and kills people Uh yeah um it's it's we're in the editing phase we just finished it uh, I'm not very happy with the ending it's still confusing but uh, there's a lot missing so because it's a sci-fi horror so we have a lot of visual effects that's uh, we didn't touch yet um so i can't foresee the workload um then the music is not done the music design is not done the grading is not done so still a lot work uh to do yeah um my first three films let me think. Yeah, for I always uh, participated in, in a competition. So the first three were uh, the first one was forty eight hours, then HTV contest, and last year another forty eight hours. So all the festivals, I got uh, my main actors and actresses got nominated for best actor, actress, and last year she uh, she won vidling, won for wow, won best actress. Yeah.
0: Congratulations, that's yeah.
1: awesome. Among other nominations. So. Mm.
0: so when do you think this will be finished and
1: released? We have one deadline, which is August. So <laughs> uh, let's see. See how we go. Let's see how it goes. No. I, I have something uh, more uh, current, uh, upcoming project, which is a music video, that which I'm very excited. Uh, uh, the song title is "Dim A, which means um, that night. It's about, it's about a triangle love of love relationship. Okay. So yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's, a very dark song. So it's about somebody not loving someone and, uh, and that one, someone is going to kill someone, something like this. Yeah. It's very dark.
0: So this stage of the interview, let's move on to the final questions that I ask everyone at the end of the show. Um, have you ever tried durian?
1: Of course, I love durian. durian. <laughs>
0: You're a fan of it.
1: Yeah, but but you have to eat it frozen, so it's like a sorbet. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with durians. they's they, they they are so tasty. Uh, don't bother the smell. I mean, uh, sure, the smell they this they, they have a strong smell but it's so good it's it's and i mean how to open it they look like a weapon and you right they look like a not look like they could be a weapon it could be a chose. weapon yeah yeah but it, and they are so hard to open but once you open it and then you eat it wow it's it's a taste explosion <laughs> it's so
0: it, divisive
1: it's it's so good yeah i if you don't try it, you you, you miss half of the li- your life.
0: <laughs> this is why I asked the question because you know, for me, I'm I'm on the opposite end of the scale. I need I need to find it and post it on the channel on the Facebook. I've got a video of me trying it for the first time and I spit it out. And I've tried durian ice cream, durian yogurt, durian candy, and it all is the same. Just leaves a
1: it's so good.
0: <laughs> we, we, this is one we can agree to disagree on. Okay. Now the question I normally ask is about bikes because we're named 7 million bikes because of the volume of motorbikes in Saigon. But lately there's more and more cars on the road in Saigon and a new trend in in the last kind of six months to a year that I've noticed is more outrageous paint jobs on cars. And the example I've given is lately I saw a bedazzled Mercedes-Benz, a beautiful car literally coated out in silver glitter. What's the craziest car that you've seen in Saigon lately?
1: craziest car uh, I i saw um you call it a tank <laughs> yeah,
0: like a Hummer or a
1: yeah like, like what what uh arnold Sch- schwarzenegger is is driving or <laughs> right. yes yeah, that 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 i saw here which looks pretty scary yeah
0: now what is something that happens in vietnam that would be looked at strangely in your home country or another country
1: home country would be germany so uh uh, probably almost everything like going to the shopping mall with in your in your pajamas <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's that's a common thing here but i i think everything uh, uh everything uh, beyond the normal is 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 gonna raise uh some uh eyebrows yeah
0: I laugh so hard at that because it is something. And let's be clear, it's it's females that go out in their pajamas. You never see a male in his pajamas outside his. Front well, door. the male
1: they they would uh, they would lift their shirts and then you see their belly. So
0: <laughs> that's the equivalent, yeah, showing off your belly. But it's it, I laugh at it nearly every day when I see a female leaving their apartment. I mean, most females wouldn't leave their bedroom in their pajamas. And then here, people will literally go to Vinmart. They'll go shopping in the mall. And not just, what makes me laugh the most, not just sometimes in like the cotton pajamas, which is still to me quite funny. They'll be in like little silk Chanel pajamas that I'm like, that's like lingerie.
1: That's like, that's the uh, fashion. That's that's cool.
0: <laughs> which again, is just these differences that we, the cultural differences that we have. So on the flip side, what's something from Germany that would be looked at strangely in Vietnam? Nothing.
1: Vietnam is a country, it's an open arm country so you can come uh, and be yourself and crazy. It's like carnival every day so uh, you can dress up and nobody would raise an eyebrow.
0: And what advice would you give to yourself nine years ago before you came to Vietnam?
1: Uh, Learn Vietnamese (laughs) in advance. Uh, Yeah, I I would say that. Yeah.
0: Would that have given you a head start, you feel?
1: Yeah, I, I, it, it would have uh, eased a lot of other things, yeah.
0: So tell our listeners, where can they follow you? Where can they find you? Where can they see you perform? And where can they watch your movies or your short films when they come out?
1: Just just Google my name or follow me on YouTube on visai.com.
0: And last of all, tell us about your
1: tea. Ah yes, I have my own tea brand. Uh it's uh coincidentally, uh, uh has the same name <laughs> like I my my name so Visai Cascara Cherry tea which is made out of the peels of uh, coffee bean. Uh yeah, I I just happened to have uh, my own brand of of tea. I, I love tea, so I said why not have my own tea. No, I was approached by 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 a tea manufacturer. And uh yeah, yeah that's it's my little startup. Nice. And, and it's growing. So we sold our first thousand bags. Uh and yeah, it's it's it's, it's uh it's challenging, it's it's fun.
0: And that where can we find it?
1: On Lazada or Shopee. Just Google it, Visay Cascara, so you'll find it. <laughs>
0: Sweet, awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks very much. It's good to have you on.
1: Good to be here. Thank you, Neil was fun. Cheers. Cheers.
0: Thanks very much for listening to this episode of 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. Don't forget to subscribe from wherever you're listening from right now. Turn on the notifications as well so you never miss an episode. If you're new to the podcast, make sure you go back through. We've got five seasons of amazing guests that you can listen to their stories as well. Please get in touch. I always love to hear from our listeners. It's one of the best things when I wake up in the morning and I open up Instagram or Facebook and I've had a message from someone telling me that they've been listening from America or Australia or anywhere in the world. So please let me know where you're listening from or Vietnam as well, obviously. Um, I always love to hear from people. I want to give a massive thank you again to our Patreon members, Brandon Thompson and Zion Johnson. If you do enjoy this content, you can support 7 Million Bikes, of Vietnam podcast on Patreon. The link is in the show notes. You can become a member of a Vietnam podcast and get access to exclusive member benefits like free tickets to comedy shows or even a free 7 Million Bikes t-shirt as well. So check that out in the show notes, as I said. And you can also buy me a coffee or a beer if you want on coffee.com, so make sure you check that out. So thanks again for listening. Really hope you enjoy season six, and you can stay tuned for the future episodes. Cheers.